sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Genesis chapter 8. Genesis is not in the Old, in the New Testament. So don't go there and then begin to say, Oh, Lady Reverend, I thought it was there. It's not there, please. Amen. Are you there? If you look at the Bible, even English language, it says the genesis of something started at this time. So from that you will know that Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Amen. Genesis chapter 8 says that while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Amen. While the earth remaineth, which means that so long as we are on this planet, we are going to experience different seasons in our lives. Whether we are Christians, whether we are unbelievers, whether we love God, whether we don't love God, this principle will always work in our lives. Seed time and harvest. There will be a time for everything. When we read Ecclesiastes 3, it says that there's a time for everything, isn't it? And the Bible is telling us here that so far as we are on this earth, we can never live in one season. There are going to be different times in our walk with God. Sometimes it will be seed time. But it will not always be seed time. There will always be times when it's also harvest. Sometimes it will be cold like in winter, but it doesn't remain winter forever. Summer comes, spring comes, fall comes, so the seasons will keep changing. So cold and heat are also here to stay with us. And then summer and winter, and day and night, it can never be night forever, and it can never be day forever. And the Bible is promising us that these things will never cease. Now, time is a culmination or an addition of seasons in our lives. And your theme verse can be found in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. Are you there? This is Solomon writing. He said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Time and chance happeneth to them all. It is saying that, you know, there's often a race. And often, it's the people who are fast who win the race. But as he has lived under the sun, he has come to see that the race is not to the swift. That it is not even only the swift who take part in races. Some people take part, and you wonder, when I was in high school, some people take part, when it reaches somewhere, they begin to walk. 
But they are in the race all right. So when you are in a race, it's not only the swift that the race is about. There are other people also in the race. And then the battle is not to the strong. It's not only strong people who go and fight. Amen? Amen. Some people fight. In the army even, we have a hierarchy. Some people are very strong fighters. And then they become generals. But the same army has corporals and other lower officers because they are all in a battle. So the battle is not just for people who are strong. Neither bread to the wise. It's not that when you are wise, then you have sustenance. You may be wise, but you may not have sustenance for life. Nor yet riches to men of understanding. Sometimes fools can inherit things. Nor yet favor to men of skill. Sometimes people work very hard. But they may not have favor. You may have a skill, but nobody employs it. You know? But time and chance, one thing that is the leveler, that happens to everybody, is time and chance. That one, whether you are, you are wise whether you are swift, whether you are strong, whether you are weak, time and chance happens to you. Time often denotes something that is planned. Time often denotes something that is like a timetable. You can say that by this time, this would have happened. If I start university in 2017, and I do a course that lasts for three years, then time will tell me that in 2020, I will be able to finish all things being equal. Amen. Amen. And then chance is like opportunity. Some people who don't know God say luck. Luck. It's like, oh, I was very lucky today. You were not lucky, you were blessed. But the Bible is saying that time and chance, so I would say that Time is something that is programmed, in, like seasons. And chance is something like opportunities that come. Things that seem to, sometimes you think they are just happening, but it's not like that. So this evening, I just want to sort of touch a bit on different aspects of time. Now, when you look at Proverbs chapter 31, verse 21, and I'll come, that, I'll come to that in the course of this weekend, it talks about the, strange, uh, the, the virtuous woman. And it says she's not afraid of the snow for her household. Why? For all her household are clothed with scarlet. And then 25 says... Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. What the Bible is saying about the, the virtuous woman is that she knows about the changing seasons. She knows that it's going to be time for snow. But she is not afraid of the times that are changing because she's prepared. Amen? Amen. She's not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. It means that she recognizes that the seasons and times in her life are subject to change. But because of that, she prepares for it. She doesn't fight change by saying, I'm not going to adapt. She doesn't fight change by saying it's not real. You know, some of us are in denial. There will be no winter. There will be no snow. But she's not afraid of snow because her whole household is clothed with scarlet. Why has she clothed them with scarlet? Because she knows what snow brings. And she has prepared adequately for the changing seasons of her life. And whether we like it or not, change is part of our Christian walk. 
Amen. When you look at verse 25, it says that strength and honor, another verse says strength and dignity are her clothing. And she shall laugh. I think NASB says that. Or she shall rejoice in time to come. The time has not come yet. But because she has strength and she has dignity, when even the time changes, she will laugh. At what is about to come. Amen? Amen. Some of us don't want change. In fact, most of us are resistant to change. And it is quite a natural thing. But a spiritual woman must go against the natural. Because the Bible says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When you look at your own life, your times have been changing. When you were a student, it was different. You know, my husband now tells me he is convinced that students have more money than workers. <laughs> and students have less cares. But when is that season of your life? You are praying that it will pass quickly. I remember writing my last paper in law and it was done and as I was Learn. I said, eh, so is it possible that a day will come that I don't have to chew all these constitutions and acts and uh, amendments and allies and things like that? I would be a worker, so now I'll just go to the library and take the book and look. I don't have to know it by heart. And as I, was, I said, Lord, I can't believe such a time is coming. And I was looking for it. I said, when I work, I will have so much time. Especially to serve God. And money. A lot of money. I said, what is this school? Every day, 7 a.m., you have a lecture. Then you are rushing to the gate. Then you are coming. Then after that, tutorial. Then what is all this? I am looking forward to this season. Passing. For the next season to come. I said, so the people who work, what do they do? Because when they go to the office... After five days closed, what do they do? <laughs> Till the next morning. I couldn't wait for that season in life to pass. And then I became a worker. And I began to say, hey, when you are a student, you are very free. And it's very easy. And students don't have a care. But when my mother used to say, you don't have a care, I used to say, hey, do they know the things we also think about? Do they know the hassles we have? But when I started working, hey, how to balance the life and still be a Christian in the midst of the changing season was not easy. Time was happening to me. Amen? But God gave me grace like the virtuous woman to be clothed with scarlet in different ways so that I could laugh at the time to come then I thought you know this house when I go and I come my father says everyday church why are you coming late oh the day I will marry freedom will come nobody will say why do you go where are you coming why this time I just want to be free so I got married. And freedom came. <laughs> but when freedom came, the Bible says about marriage that, Are thou bound, cease not to be loosed. But I didn't know that when you marry, you are bound. And I didn't know that when you marry and you want to go somewhere, you have a Lord to confer with. I thought that you just get up and you go. But when I married, I saw that, hey, as I was in a hurry to leave home, I have now come to get another Lord. <laughs> that I had not factored into the equation. So whether we like it or not, there are changing seasons in our lives. In our walk with God, there are changing seasons. When you first become born again, 
Oh, there's no one, there's no one like Jesus. There's no one, there's no one like him. You are so excited. And it is real. That's why David said, Restore unto me the joy. The joy of my salvation. I was so excited. You wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. Life was like you were on cloud nine. You were so happy. But there will be winter. There will be summer. There will be cold. There will be heat. But I didn't know that. Because when you are growing up as a young Christian, they say, maturity classes. I say, what do I need maturity for? I'm a Christian. I know God. What do I need maturity for? But as you walk with God, you will see that the seasons in your life change. Even the seasons of ministry change. When the church started, then my husband said to me at a point, why don't you start a Bible study for ladies? So I started a Bible study for ladies. It's a small back room at the back of the nurses training college because we started the, he had started the, um, the church in the hospital when he was a medical student. So I started with the five ladies. Then the word of God grew like the book of Acts say. And as the group grew, he came and he said, why don't you have your first ever ladies convention? I said, me? Ladies convention? He said, yes. Ladies convention for three days, which I had never done before. So I believed God and I started the ladies convention. The ladies meeting or ministry started to grow. When the ladies ministry started to grow, I was just in my church. So I was contented to be in my church. Then the church started to have branches. And the branches started to want to have ladies ministries. So I started to go to branches in Ghana, branches all over the world. And it's something my husband always says. He says that no season is forever. So I used to go, preach at various places. We'll have pajama nights for ladies. The whole city of Leeds, we are all wearing our pajamas, well-dressed, no man allowed. We have our mugs. We are having some hot chocolates and we are doing ministry. Very excited. We'll go to Geneva and then we'll be in yellow and black. The whole city will be awash and everybody will be asking, what's happening here? Then it came to pass that as the church grew, the ministry that I was given also changed. Then people started to say, oh, why don't you come for women's meetings anymore? I said, because now I've been given another mandate. The season has changed. So the people who didn't take advantage of that season is not there anymore. Just this year, a new season has begun for me again. I was there when my husband said to me, Oh, I think um, I want to give you a new mandate. Really? New mandate? What is the new mandate? Oh, you know, I'm being invited to hold pastors' meetings in so many countries. So, I want you to be like my John the Baptist. I said, what does that mean? Oh, you go ahead before I go because they have to meet the pastors, they have to meet the planning committee, and then you will preach in some of the pastors' churches. And then, no, Actually, he didn't even know the details. So when I asked him, what exactly are the terms of reference for this work I'm being given? So go, go. Your first place is Congo, go. So I went to my closet and I told God, I don't even understand. But I think the person also sending me does not have the details. So God, you need to show me what to do. And then the verse came to me, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. And that don't worry about what you will say. So we got ready and we went to Congo. Anyway, by the way, 
Congo is one of the most expensive visas I've ever seen in this world. It's not America. It's not UK. It's not Switzerland. Congo is the most expensive visa I've ever paid for. I was wondering whether I was going to space or where. Anyway. We got to Congo. As soon as we arrived, the pastors, not from my church, majority from other churches, came to get us. Took us and said, Lady Reverend, there's a, you have to give a press conference because we would like to um, speak to you I say, about your visit to Congo and what the Lord is saying. So we went. It was a hotel room. Journalists with uh, mics and things. So Lady Reverend, you are now in Congo, Kinshasa. We are having a lot of problems here. What message do you think the Lord is giving the evangelists to bring? Meanwhile, the evangelist is at his crusade in Zambia. But the Holy Spirit spoke and I said, He said, we are having a lot of problems. This is happening in the world. So Lady Reverend, what do you have to say about that? I said, Jesus prophesied all these things that they will happen. But he said that when these things happen, look up because your redemption draws near. So as I've come, I believe that we should look up because our redemption is drawing near. It was not an easy schedule. Back to back. And then after that, they came Lady Reverend, you have to now cross over to the next Congo. The Congos are two. You have to go by ferry to Congo Brazzaville. When I got to Congo Brazzaville, I got to where the ferry is, disembarked, journalists again. Oh, we hear you speak French. So this interview, please speak French. <laughs> then in the evening, I had to preach in another church. A church I'd never been to. When I went, there was a bishop there who was introducing me. He said, um, I have been to Ghana five consecutive times for her husband's pastor's meeting. And uh, I am very surprised that this woman can speak. Honestly, I have a confession to make. Every time I see her in Ghana, she's just serving rice, cookies, tea, and things. I've never heard her speak before. So when they said that in Brazzaville, she will have a press conference, I was wondering, can this woman speak? What will she say? I am, I am confessing and I was sitting there as they asked her one question after the other and vraiment vraiment in French means truly she spoke and I was surprised he said when I go to Ghana I see her twice it means she's passing it means she's going again that's all I know then the meeting started when the meeting started I began to speak the man got up the man who said he doesn't know that I can speak, he will run to this side, then he will run to this side. He will run to this side. At the end of it, he said, Wow, Lady Reverend, that was really. He said, It's a new season. I don't even understand it. I don't even have the, the tools. But it's faith and trusting God that brings you that far. Some of us are too stiff for God to bend us. So when the times come, we don't recognize the times. So the main thing is to recognize what God is doing. And unfortunately, God does things through men. Some of us say, well, Reverend, I hear from God myself. As for me, I want to hear from God directly. So no man can speak to me. But when you look at the book of Timothy, he is called and everything, but Paul is telling him, do this. In the church, do this. Let the women do this. Let the men do this. Let no man despise you. Give yourself holy so that your profiting may appear. Give attendance to reading and to exhortation. Do the work of an evangelist. Do this. Yes, ah. Timothy is called. Why is Paul always sending instructions? Because God leads you, unfortunately, through men. And that is what we miss. And we are not able to change with the changing seasons of life. 
Amen. Amen. Esther would never have dreamt of a beauty pageant. Ever. She didn't even know what was happening in the palace. But God had already put Mordecai ahead in the palace. So it's Mordecai who knew that a beauty pageant was going on. And then came to call Esther. And if Esther was not subject to instruction, she would have missed the season and the time. The body of Christ is too full of independent-minded people. And people who don't want to be told. Paul said to Titus, I left you in Crete so that you will put everything in order. But we don't want order. And we don't want anything that we don't agree with or we don't feel comfortable with. But the secret to the changing seasons is that you are clothed with scarlet before it comes. But before that scarlet will come, God often will use a human being. C'est là la problème. That is where the problem lies. And God is telling us to be sensitive to the changing seasons. The virtuous woman is not surprised. When she sees the snow, she's not afraid of the snow. But she's not saying... It's not snow. It's white sugar. She's not arguing. She's not living in denial. So every season has something that must go with it. And whether we can recognize that season, hmm, it will take humility and the grace of God. Amen. So ladies Reverend, what are some of the different times that come into our lives as believers? One of the times or seasons is the set time. Genesis chapter 18, verse 10. The set time. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Amen. Amen. God said, I will do this at the appointed time. And I will do this at the set time. Every believer has a set time. But your time is often not God's time. And before the set time comes, between the promise and the fulfillment, a lot goes on in between. When we look at Sarah's life, she was living comfortably in air of the childies with her husband. Her husband was past pension age, retirement age. She was not looking for any new adventure in this life. Then suddenly God comes to talk to the man and forgets about you. I mean, doesn't he know that you to your life will change? In fact, a woman's life changes more drastically in marriage than a man, in my opinion. More than a man's life. And the Bible says that, and Abraham took Sarah. I always ask the ladies, the women of the 21st century, can you be taken Can you be taken? Am I a donkey or a mule that I should be taken? In our work with God, we don't always see the whole picture. We don't always understand. But the Bible in Hebrews 11 mentions Sarah. Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive a seed because she judged him faithful who had promised. Our mistake is we see our Abraham and not our God. So when you say, Abraham is calling me to follow, it's not Abraham. It is the God of Abraham. 
that is changing your life. And often, God's time is not our time. Because if you were to tell me at 80 something, God says we should go where? And when I ask you where, the book of Hebrews says he went not knowing where he was going. How can I follow somebody who doesn't know where he is going? But these are the steps that brings you to the set time. The person leading you does not know where he's going. The Bible says, can the blind lead the blind? But the thing is that not that he is blind, but God has not told him where he's going. And then we also like to ask questions. So where we are going, can you tell me so that I can plan for the weather? Can you tell me so that I can plan financially? Can you tell me so that I can see where the children can attend school? So, so where are we going? <laughs> we are going. And we are taking everything. It's not easy to walk with God. And it's not easy to follow somebody God asks you to follow. It's not, you will not always understand. And marriage makes you follow a lot of things. And so the way you look at it, it does not make sense. Follow you to go where? He went not knowing where he was going. And then as they are going on the journey, lots of his issues come up. A nephew who was taking a lot of issues. You are not happy about how he treated your husband, whatever, but you just... But as he's gone to Sodom, he has also gone to bring more trouble. Before you know, your domestic staff who help you in your house, they've all been put in the army to go and fight for lots. What type of nonsense is that? Working with God is not always sensible. Working with God will even test your love life. But what, where are all those steps leading to? They are leading you to the set time. And the appointed time. Amen. And then when they get somewhere to, Abraham says, you know Sarah, you are very beautiful. So say that you are my sister. To the point where the king takes her into his bedroom. And the man who brought you, the reason why you are there, you already don't know. And instead of him treating you with kindness because you don't know why you are where you are. He deserts you at the last minute. The king is about to rape you. The journey is not your journey. You were happy in air of childish. Your sisters are there. Your cousins are there. You are used to the system. You have family support. You haven't said anything. Then he brings you to a place and deserts you. I thought at the wedding he said for better for worse. But when it got to worse, he checked out. And yet he's called the father of faith. Amen? Amen. God gives us good men, not perfect men. And then, it takes God to come in bodily form. Bodily form to the king. To say, don't touch Sarah. If you touch her, it's an issue. It is God who rescues Sarah, not Abraham. He is somewhere. He has put himself first. He's thinking about his safety. His this, his that. So in our work with God, unless we do Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, we won't function properly. Because uh, truth be told, if I was sorry, when I come out, I say, you know, Abraham, I have a return ticket. I really do. And from how you have treated me, I may not believe in the marriage, but I'm going. You left me in the hands of a king to rape me. I'm going. But that's not Sarah's account. She keeps following. And then in Genesis 16, God comes and changes Sarah's name in 18. It is the first time Sarah is mentioned. So before you get to the set time, you will go through times when you think you are forgotten. Even for a woman in ministry, sometimes you don't know what you are doing. You don't know where you are going. It's like when God speaks to Abraham, as for you, he doesn't seem to have any plan for you. But it is in the man's vision, you will find your vision. Amen. So he comes and says, as for Sarah, your wife, her name shall no longer be Sarah, but her name shall be Sarah. She's not going to just be a princess. She is going to be the mother of princess. 
your ministry is changing. But it's still not the set time. Then at the set time, God sends three angels. And when they come, how are they received? They, they look like ordinary men. But Abraham, typical, says, oh, sit down. Have something to eat. Wash your feet. Whatever. And then he immediately enters the house and starts to give Sarah instructions. Typical of men. <laughs> he has come to share the work. Sarah, get this. Do this. Do that. No. And then the food is ready. And then he comes to present it nicely. <laughs> and after the angels have eaten, is when they give a word about Sarah at the set time. I shall return. And at the appointed time, Sarah, your wife, shall give birth. The Bible says, you have need of patience. So that after you have done the will of God, not when you are doing the will of God, after, after you have done the will of God, you may inherit the promises. The set time comes after we have done the will of God. But will God still find us faithful in between before the set time comes? And I love God for it because, you know, people say, Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham. A very bad decision, I agree. But I thank God that even on your journey to the set time, in spite of sometimes the mistakes you make, his plan concerning you never changes. And what shocks me is that he comes to tell Abraham, send Ishmael away. Because Sarah has said, and Abraham will not do. Ladies, after you talk to your Abraham, what you are saying, he's doing the opposite times 10. But to God, to go into Abraham's prayer closet and said, look, listen to what Sarah, your wife, he said, listen to the voice of Sarah, your wife. That verse always makes me happy. Because the world will say that the voice of a woman must never be listened to. Listen to Abraham when he went to Hagar. Look at what happened. But God didn't say, God could have said, listen to me. But he said, listen to the voice of Sarah, thy wife. That's God. He didn't give up on Sarah. Eh. She gave bad advice to Hagar, so she's always bad. It's not like that. It's not like that. But at the set time, so in our times, there's something called set time. Turn to your neighbor and say, wait for your set time. When you look at John the Baptist, if you are Elizabeth, you say, I've been waiting for a long time. Nothing is happening. I've been praying. Nothing is happening. My husband and I, we are blameless before God. Nothing is happening. But if John the Baptist was born earlier, then his purpose, will not have been fulfilled. Because he was supposed to come to prepare the way for Jesus. And if he was going to prepare the way for Jesus, then he must come just before Jesus. No way ahead. So you think you have a problem, but God thinks he's fulfilling his purpose. And at the set time, he brings it to pass. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, the set time. Number two is the time for doing specific things. The time for doing specific things. Second Samuel 11 verse 1. Second Samuel 11 verse 1. This is a popular verse. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Amen. There's a set time for doing some things. When you read First Chronicles 20 verse 21, the Bible says it came to pass that after the year was expired, at the time that kings go out to battle, Joab led forth the power of the army 
and wasted the country of the children of Amnon and came and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried at Jerusalem, and Joab smote Rabbah and destroyed it. Amen. At the time when kings go to battle. Sometimes we are supposed to do specific things at specific times. And when the time passes, the thing becomes an anomaly. Amen. Like the woman who brought the spices to embalm Jesus. They came. They bought spices. It cost them money. But when they came, the angel said, he's risen. He's not here. At the time when they ought to have anointed his body, they didn't. But the woman with the alabaster box, she did the specific thing within the specific season. Jesus said, let her alone, for she has anointed me against my burial. The women brought spices. The woman with the alabaster box brought spices. The women even had more spices. But when they came, everything was over. The resurrection had come. But the woman with the alabaster box, she went through, like we're preaching last year, a lot of humiliation. The disciples, it wasn't their money, but they talked. Why should such money be wasted? Just like today. You don't contribute to the offering. You don't contribute to the pastor's lifestyle. But you are angry. Just like the woman with the alabaster box. It's her own alabaster box. Peter, you didn't buy some. The men at the banquet, you didn't buy some. But you are angry. It hasn't cost you anything, but you are angry. I will never understand it. It has not depleted your resources, but you are angry. And Jesus said, let her alone. And he even asked her, why trouble ye the woman? Why? But she has to go through shame. She has to go through embarrassment. She has to go through people saying, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know that this woman, she's not the right person to be anointing his feet. And you the right person to, you are not doing it. Because what, washing his feet was not a female thing. It was a cultural thing. So he said to Simon, since I came to your house, you have not anointed my head, you have not washed my feet, you have not done anything. Somebody else is doing it too. It's a problem. In the church, your only duty you do is to warm the pew. When somebody is also doing it, oh, today they didn't sing well. Oh, but the ashes, why are they leading me here? But uh, you don't do anything. And yet you are criticizing the people who do. Amen. So doing specific things at specific times. Sometimes we honor people after they are dead. And they cannot see what you did for them. When my father was alive, he passed like five years ago at the age of 90. But my husband keeps teaching about fatherhood, honoring your father. Whatever. So I called my dad on Father's Day, every Father's Day. I told him what I wanted to tell him. I honored him the best I knew how. So then when he passed, I even wrote in the tribute. I really don't have any regrets. I really don't have like any specific thing I should have done within the time and that he's not there. But some of you, I don't know when the last time you called your parents. And they say, oh, I'll do it. I'll do specific things at the specific time. When you will serve God, serve him at the right time. As my husband would say, you don't want to give God your youth. You say, when I'm on retirement, I will serve God. It is God who deserves your weak states. And the government of Denmark deserves your youthful stage. Amen? Amen. At the time when kings go to battle. If David had gone to battle, he would never have met Bathsheba. Because Bathsheba thought all the men in the city have gone. So I'm just having a bath. (laughs) They've gone. So I'm just having a bath. Not knowing that the main person who should lead the people. He tarried. He tarried in Jerusalem. So sometimes sin is not even just a temptation. But where you are. 
you are at the wrong place. Your timing is wrong. Time and chance happen to all of us, but how you use the time and what you do within the time. You honor your pastor, then you wait. Later you come and read some long obituary. For what? And then you spend all the money to buy expensive coffins. That maggots will eat. When the person is alive, you know. You honor your wife till something happens. They say, oh. I met a pastor's wife in Korea. And she said, you know, Lady Reverend, she was talking to Bishop and I. She said, my husband was a pastor in Nigeria, a big pastor. And every time I was passing by him in the house, he would hold me, touch me, and I would be saying, oh, leave me, what's all this? And then he fell ill. And when he fell ill, the hand could not stretch to pat me. The hand could not stretch to pull me. And, and Bishop, I became very sad. Because we don't value things when they are around. We only value things when they are not there. Amen. Amen. It is not every time you have the opportunity to serve God. It's not, my husband always says, when we are doing a project, you better join. Because the project is not there forever. At a point, the project gets finished. And whatever you could have helped to do, it's gone. That particular project is gone. And you didn't become a part of that. At the time when kings go to battle, David tarried. At the time when you should be in church, you are watching a Nigerian movie. How will demons not enter you? I don't know. The Bible says to Christians, make straight paths for your feet. We don't do that. Though. We make crooked paths for our feet. And when we say, hey, Reverend, I don't know why I'm always falling. How will you not always fall? The things you watch, the things you listen to, the places you go to, at the time when we should be at a prayer meeting, you are at the nightclub. What will enter you there? Pray for me. I met my wife in the, in the nightclub and the marriage is not easy. But what are you expecting? At the time when kings go to battle. Some of us are so independent. We can't just flow even with the church program. You are always above prayer meeting. above everything. As a pastor's wife, I always tell myself, and even a bishop's wife, that as for Christianity, there's no madamism in it. So this prayer meeting means below me, so I'm not going, hey, even Jesus prayed, then you, you, you. Even Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, pleading with God, then you. So now, with my status, I don't go for prayer meeting. Really? At the time when kings go to battle, David tarried. In Jerusalem. At the time when you should be winning souls. You are doing other things. Some people fall sick and they call us to their beds. I said, Bishop, if God will raise me, I will preach his word to the whole world. It's sad I should come to that. Because at the time when you should be doing outreach. It's not part of your, it's not on your list of to do things to get close to God, to do things with, of God, is not part of your things. At the time when kings, not Joabs, kings, go to battle, you are sending a Joab. Hmm. Time to do specific things. Then the third one is the time for the fulfillment of a promise. Acts 7 verse 17. Acts 7 verse 17. I'm ending soon. But as the time for the fulfillment of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the, pre- the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Amen. Amen. As the time for the fulfillment of the promise drew near, which God had made to Abraham, the Hebrew people increased and multiplied in Egypt. What was that promise? God had told Abraham, 
your people shall go into captivity for 430 years. And then after that, I will bring them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Amen? So bringing them out was the time of promise. But as the time of promise was growing near, the people multiplied. And when the people multiplied, the, the, Herods became af- the Pharaohs became afraid. And as the Pharaohs became afraid, they started to persecute the people. Usually, before the time of the fulfillment of your promise, it's like labor. Things intensify. When God sent Moses, you would think that immediately things will ease up. But rather, the Bible says, Herod multiplied the bondage of the people. So when the time of promise draws near, bondage often becomes multiplied. And at that stage, we give up. Say, Reverend, it's too hard. Lady Reverend, it's too painful. Lady Reverend, I can't. You can't. Because when you are in labor, it is when the baby is coming, the last cushion, that is the most difficult. And that's when they keep telling you, push, push. I don't have any strength anymore. What is happening to you? The time of the fulfillment of the promise is near. So even the fulfillment of God's promises in your life, there's a time for it. But like the set time, do we have patience? Most of the time, when things multiply, people say, oh, all hell broke loose. I just felt like giving up. That is the time of the promise. That is the time of the fulfillment of the promise. And may we recognize those times in our lives. For this evening, finally, the time of trouble. Psalm 27, verse 5. The time of trouble. Psalm 27, verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Amen. I wish I could tell you that in your work with God, there's no time of trouble. But the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I like the but. But many Christians are not programmed for the time of trouble. If you walk with God, the Bible says, they that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But suffering is not part of our doctrine. It's not part of our theology. We just think favor... Do something new. All that is true. But there's a time of trouble. In your walk with God. There are times when things come to us. When you look at the parable. The house that was built on the rock. The house that was built on the sand. The only difference is the foundation. But their experiences were the same. The time of trouble may come to the unbeliever. The time of trouble may come to the believer. But the difference is what your life is built on. For the believer, his life is built on the rock. So in spite of, you see, the Bible says the rain came, the floods rose, the winds beat vehemently against both houses. But after all was said and done, the house on the rock stood firm. The difference was the foundation. What are you building your life on? Time and chance happen to them all. The time of trouble. David was a man after God's own heart. But he wrote this and said, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. He didn't say, in the time of trouble, he will let me not see trouble. No. But he covers us in the midst of the trouble. But today's Christians are surprised when trouble comes. And we crumble easily. The Bible says that if you faint in the time of adversity, then your strength is very small. And as believers, our strength is small. Not because God has not given us strength, but because we don't exercise ourselves to be strong. And with all the winds that are blowing, if we are not strong, you won't survive. 
I hope I have the opportunity to teach you about how to be strong. Amen. Amen. In the time of trouble, he will hide me. Yes, God has been good to me. Yes, I have many testimonies. Yes, I've seen God's faithfulness. But there have been times of trouble in my life. There have been times when I've gone to God and said, I don't understand what is happening. I'm not happy with what is happening. But it is a time of trouble. It's a season. It will pass, yes. But will it find you standing after it has passed? The comforting word is that he will hide us in his pavilion. Amen. Some of us, we lose our faith in the time of trouble. In the time of trouble, when you should be in his presence, you say, I don't feel like going to church because everybody knows about my problem. I don't feel like going to church because when I go to the Lady River, I can't praise God. But the church of God is a clinic and you are supposed to come when you are sick. Because the physician came for those who are sick, not those who are well. In the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. Amen. So we have seen tonight four different types of time. The set and appointed time. Number two is what? Time to do specific things. At the time when kings go to battle, you are not there. And there was the next time. Time of fulfillment of the promise. When that time is drawing near, your burdens increase. If you know the seasons, you will have the grace to behave properly. And then lastly, what? In the time of trouble, he will deliver me. I pray that these few nuggets that have been shared tonight, on our opening night, the Lord will use it to touch you. Finally, time to seek the Lord. Hosea 10 verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Verse 13. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. So in verse 12, God is saying, it is time to seek the Lord. Why? Because you have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of life, you have led a life that is very ungodly. And the Lord is saying, now it is time to seek the Lord. So the next type of time is the time to seek God. The time to seek God is when you've gone too far. The time to see God is when you live on your own standards and with your own way of life. The time to see God is when you realize that you have gone too far away. It is time. And it is time because your life is not in your hands. You, the least of your life, you don't know. How long you have to live, you don't know. What is happening next, you don't know. So when God gives you an opportunity that, look, you've done this, 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 it's now time to seek the Lord. We have to repent immediately and start to seek Him. Time and chance, they happen to them all. I pray that God will give us wisdom and discernment to know the times, to know the changing seasons of our lives, and to know how to conduct ourselves in each season. And God will do it. Because the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who giveth liberally and abradeth not. So I pray that tonight, the few seeds that have been sown, God will water it in your life. And do something new in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet, please. You have heard God's word. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop 
at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.